Hey, Blinders, on this week's show, we discuss the Golden Globes and whether they're relevant or not. We react to the new Nicolas Cage trailer, and the boys talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode number 195 of Real Blend, a podcast that needs to know. Kevin, if Spider-Man ever told you his absolute favorite Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. Oh, wow. Old JTT. Spider-Man loves JTT. That's a deep, deep pull. I know, I know, I know. I know what it is. Jake, did Spider-Man ever tell you his favorite JTT movie? He did. No way, home for Christmas. Uh, to me, yes. I'll take it. Yes, ready to go. <laughs> it's technically, technically, I'll be the way home for Christmas. But I'm gonna punch you in the face. I Let me have this moment. <laughs> oh, this I never show. get those. The Golden Globes. JTT. Uh, <laughs> are they still? Are they still relevant? The Golden Globes. We're gonna have a discussion about that. We're gonna react to the trailer for the most Nicolas Cage movie that has ever happened. Uh, it is what's it called? The unbearable weightness of immense talent. Is that right? No, it's the uh, that that's really funny. It's the unbearable weight of massive talent. Of massive talent. Okay. This yeah. is this is Kevin McCarthy's No Way Home, or the Eternal Spotless Sunshine Mind. <laughs> Just like that movie. We are a movie podcast. Yes, we are. And Michelle uh, Gondry's directing this. Yeah. Believe it or not, there's no. a movie called uh, Spider-Man No Way Home that's uh, finally here, and the guys are going to talk about it. The guys are. Not me, just the guys, uh, and I'll tell you why later. The guys, only, by the guys, only the I biggest mean, Spider-Man fan gets to talk about it. Kevin McCarthy of Fox Five in Washington D.C. Kevin McCarthy, how are you doing, sir? Sean, good to see you. I, 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 I honestly haven't heard the name Jonathan Taylor Thomas in a long time, so I just want to say thank you for that because that really brightened my day. Yeah. Oh man, that's hilarious. There's a that lot of home ways I could have gone. I was gonna yeah. do a, um, No Way Home Alone. I thought about that for a little bit. Uh, Holly Hunter has No Way Home for the Holidays. A couple of different ways I was going to go. What's a good JT- Homeward Bound one? Oh, Squirrel, you would have that yeah. one. 
Yeah. <laughs> no way. Tell you his favorite. Yeah. yeah. No way. Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> that's an, that's another one you could have done. Uh, that that other guy chiming in with the uh, we are literally a podcast dragging ourselves across the finish line uh, of 2021 because we are dealing with several ailments, which we'll get into. <laughs> Jake's being his voice is Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Hi, Jake. How are you? Hey, buddy. Yeah. So so uh, I talked to Gabe earlier. It's funny. I've been doing like audio checks with Gabe for the past few days um, as to whether or not I can do certain interviews or do. Uh, this show and so for people at home uh, my voice is a little uh, just weathered Um, I had a really rough sickness over the weekend and I think I was just coughing so much that it just completely ripped up my vocal cords Um, Mm. I feel totally fine but I sound like hell and as weird as it sounds this is the best I have sounded in like a week Um, so uh, I I appreciate you uh, enduring uh, my sexy smoker voice. We actually uh, had a week. really big interview. <laughs> and, yeah, and Jake massive. could not be part of it. Well, no, seriously, I, there was a moment where I could say, even I, and I paused and I was like, I'm going to kind of, not, not, I'm not like to be overly dramatic, but like, I'm going to ruin this interview if I do this. So I called Gabe and basically was like, this is what I sound like. Yeah. And it gets to a point where if it's a distraction, particularly for this guest, then well, we can tell people actually, what it is. Yeah, it's, it happened. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Oliver. It's 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 multi three time Academy Award winner Oliver Stone. Yes. Also, Jake and J- and Jake wasn't able to participate. So one of Jake's questions, which I'm I did get to ask Oliver Stone, which which what is Oliver Stone's favorite Christmas movie? Do you remember this answer, Sean? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, Oliver the Family Stone. Yes, <laughs> you remember the answer. That's right. You were in the interview, of course. I was in yeah, the yeah. interview. Yes, yeah, right. so I knew it. Yeah, yeah. I knew it. <laughs> How dare me? Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> it took him 14 minutes to answer the question, though. Yes, it did. Yes, it involved a lot of conspiracies. Um, if you're the family stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that last night. I, 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 I was going through his filmography. I was like, <laughs> I thought it was going to be Oliver the Other Reindeer. Uh, that would have worked oh, as well, too. That's uh, good. The Family I, Stone I was, was on TV last night, so that's why I thought about that. I probably should be the Family Oliver Stone. Maybe that's okay. the way it should have been. But that either works. way, either way, yeah, you they it. play off of each other. <laughs> we stupid. are really dragging news, ourselves. Newsflash, it's fine, all baby. terrible. It's all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, two of us oh, are going to wow. die by the end of this episode. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for joining. Please head down, give us a like and a subscribe. Oh, my God. Join us here each week for a visual element of the show for our audio listeners. If you want to uh, participate for our audio listeners, stuff, I, I, I'm sorry. Head to youtube.com backslash real blend, uh, real blend podcast. And of course we're available wherever you get your normal podcasts, uh, your needs met. Have you signed up yet for real blend premium? Because you'd want more of this <laughs> and you'd want to spend money for it. Uh, you can get ad free <laughs> version of the show. You got an extra segment that drops every Monday where we play a lot of fun games. We have a game coming up this week called the Two Film Challenge. That's always been a lot of fun. With extra uh, then, coughing this week, by the way. Yes, a lot yeah. of extra coughing. And uh, a newsletter from me that I write every once in a while. So and it's very good. well written, I must say. Thank you. Have I, you I, always read, I always read it and, like, and try to find things to make fun of you about. And then I get to the bottom. I'm like, that was actually really great. I also you know, like the visual of it. The colors are really cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's the real blend colors. It's, it's like, very well designed. I always like the way it looks. Yeah. I'll let you guys in on a little secret. Um, I didn't start <laughs> this uh, business. <laughs> I don't write it. Um, I didn't start this business as a podcaster. Hold on. Catch my breath. Um, I was a writer. I, I've been a writer my whole life. So um, You should write a book. But I, I, should, write a, I should write a second one. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost, almost finished. And then I'm never going to do this again. I promise. I swear to God. If I ever say to you guys that I'm going to write a book about anything, I don't care what the topic is. Talk me off that ledge. 
What about like a cookbook? What is just a selection of recipes? No, no, because I enjoy food too much. And I don't want the history of Forrest Gump. Jesus Christ. That would be a problem. All right. uh, This week's poll. We asked the we asked you guys, the listeners, uh, are you going to see Spider-Man No Way Home on opening weekend? And we gave you three choices, even though you would think that yes and no are the only options. Uh, Yes was one. No was one. And then I can't find a ticket. So, Kev, uh, what direction do you think the listeners went into? Are they actually going to go out into the the crowds and uh, and brave them to see No Way Home on opening weekend? 100% yes. Not 100%, but 64% of the people said yes. 23% said no. And then mm. 12% said that they can't get a ticket. What would prevent you, like, especially for a movie like this that's so spoiler uh heavy there are a few things and that people are already, we are we are in a pandemic oh, really? the pandemic was part of it people were not interested in the super crowds of an opening weekend so they were like oh, i'll go in a few weeks when it's not so crowded a couple of people mentioned that i think it was someone in norway i could have this backwards um it got delayed somewhere wherever they're from um and so okay. they were like technically they're not going opening weekend because it got My pushed house? back <laughs> yeah yeah um and, but some people just aren't interested some people you know some people are, they like the art house uh, side of Real Blend. They're not as into the uh, I understand block, that. major blockbuster side. Of you know what sucks? And, and I, I don't mean this as a like, hey, go out and find them. But it's, it, to me, it sucks as in just like, how is this even possible? Just by nature of how much Spider-Man stuff I've been looking for on YouTube, just by nature of doing segments on my show, whenever I go to my YouTube page, naturally, like Spider-Man stuff is the first thing to come up. Clips from the movie, from the final act are on YouTube. Jeez, are you kidding like, me? I'm no. I like they. I whenever I got on my YouTube app this morning, those are the first things. And granted, a lot of the clips aren't up for very long because they get flat. But I'm just like, how is that? Yeah, Sean, Sean doesn't know because right now this call that he's on is the first time he's let his family plug the internet back in <laughs> in his house. He's, he's no, he pulls the plug on Monday. Electricity. Yeah, yeah, he's afraid. Yeah, he's afraid spoilers going to come through the lights. Wait, <laughs> Sean, you probably need to explain to the audience. What we're talking I about. guess I should set that up, right? Since we're this yeah. we're this far Go into ahead. the conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I am against all odds uh, the last member of this podcast to have seen Spider-Man: No Way Home. Um, and if anyone's been listening to the show at all, you realize that I'm an enormous fan. I've been writing a book about the character and the film franchise this entire year, uh, year plus. Um, and was set to go to the world premiere of the movie on Monday in Los Angeles. Uh, Sony got me a ticket. I planned a trip around it and uh, three days before it uh, tested positive for COVID. Uh, Having gone up to New York City to see the Matrix and came back uh, a day or two after that trip, started to feel kind of wonky and took two tests and came out positive, which torpedoed not just uh, getting out to Los Angeles for the world premiere, but attending any um, local screening or because the nearest screening to me would have been Atlanta. So um, I've had to watch uh, Jake go to it and Kevin go to it and Gabe even got to go to it last night. And so I have had to um, avoid spoilers at all costs. And it's impossible to do this job uh, without going to the sites that you're mentioning. Yeah. Uh, Like I literally took all the social media apps off of my phone. Uh, I deleted Twitter, deleted Instagram. Um, I don't even want to go onto YouTube for for that reason that you're talking about. I'm literally living in a realm now online that's just our Slack channel, like our <laughs> our company Slack channel, and Google Docs, which is where I write my stories. And here I'm permitting myself to talk to you guys. But that's where we're at. A lot of trust you had in us. Yeah. And originally, Sean wasn't even 
Sean wasn't even going to do the show this week um, because, you know, the, you have to understand like this would be like me missing Tenant or me missing like the new Nolan movie. Like and when we get into the raw review later on with Spider-Man, um, you know, I think Jake and Gabe and I will all agree like 50 to 60 percent of my experience watching this film was thinking about Sean's reaction yeah. to what I was experiencing. And so like the, it, it out of everything that he could have missed, this yeah. one thing, it just, you know, and, you know, obviously we're more worried about your health and make sure you're OK and everything yeah. like that. But um, yeah. but this, this this particular movie, um, you know, you were on my mind pretty the, much the whole time. The, the so. heartbreaking irony yeah. of, of just how everything un, unfolded is um, there's a spectacular bit of uh, Peter Parker luck uh, to this story. I mean, this yeah. is something that would happen to my beloved peter parker yeah. so Sean sean's tears willing to foe just going like sean you're struggling but the good news is well first off the good news is that i'm i'm healthy i feel terrific you know it was like a two-day thing that lasted so that's that's good i think i dodged a bullet in terms of covid and, and how bad covid can be for a lot of different people and you're vaccinated uh, I'm vaccinated, yes. Um, mm-hmm. And and the plus side is that now, because uh, once my quarantine is over, I do have tickets to go see the movie, and I'm going to go see it as soon as I'm out of the clear. Uh, and the very uh, first screening means I will get to see it with the boys, with my boys, ah, not, yes. not you two. Uh, and there was a little element of me feeling kind of bad. Of I mean, not that bad, believe me. I was, <laughs> I was, I was going. But uh, when I when I did say to them like, "Oh, I'm going to go see it out in Los Angeles at the premiere," and they were like, "Oh, that's cool. When are we going to get to see it?" So, so now I get to see it with them first, and that'll be that'll be pretty Which exciting. Might be a really special thing because, especially you know, when you see the film, I think it's going to be. Yeah. I think you're going to love that you saw it. Every son okay. should see his father cry. You know, and that's yeah. what they'll get you seeing this for the first time. Yeah, he's going to love it so much. All yeah. Right. Like nerd tears. You're going to be like, you're going to be like, you're going to be in heaven, man. No, I can't wait. All right. Uh, let's get to a, a movie that I think we're all going to love next year as well, too. Just based on the little bit that we're seeing of it. And this is the Nicolas Cage film, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. So I got to see this trailer uh, out in Vegas when we were there for Same CinemaCon. one? Same trailer? Um, no, slightly different, but for the most part, selling the same concept. So, uh, Jakey, take it away. Tell the people well, what this I, is all about. I have a question for you guys. Uh, yeah. I didn't... I've, why did somehow I think Quentin Tarantino was involved with the story? I thought the story initially had something to do with Nick Cage trying to be cast in, an, in a Tarantino movie. I feel like oh, I had read that somewhere. That makes... a. Yeah, that does make a little bit of sense, but that's not the premise. That's, yeah, it's um, not the premise, because I saw the trailer and it has nothing... So basically, the trailer is... Nicholas Cage plays himself. It establishes that he's down on his luck and, in fact, owes people money, which I think might maybe might be in reference to that period of time where a lot of actors are doing really crappy straight-to-DVD, kind of that maybe that Bruce Willis era. And even Nick Cage was like that. Well, Bruce Willis is in that era now. Yeah. I see a yes. new Bruce Willis movie on iTunes yeah. oh every God. week. I'm like, when and, did he make uh, this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so uh, I guess a massive fan pitches, hey, if you'll come to my birthday party, I'll give you a million dollars. And Nick Nick Cage basically starts out by saying, no, I would never do that. And then he hears the million dollar price tag and says, okay, yeah, I'll go. And uh, shows up and it just seems like he gets into all kind of crazy, wild adventures while at this man's birthday recreating party. famous scenes from yes. his filmography yes yeah and man, so we're, uh, the, the, this the is kevin mccarthy's spider-man no way home is yeah, played I mean, by to... uh, pedro pascal i just want to throw yes, that out there yes yeah love That's pedro pascal interesting 90s nick cage <laughs> is my go-to oh yeah um so if there's any bits of face-off rock um uh even 
you know, leaving Las Vegas, like, like, 90s Nick Cage, that was like my, like, because Arnold was my hero growing up, but 90s Nick Cage, I saw Face Off 47 times on VHS. I mean, I I literally saw it 47 times. Um, So I'm down. This is like the coolest thing, the coolest idea I've heard in a long time. Plus, you know, I love that he kind of can play with that idea Mm -hmm. of the characters. Like, Like, a lot of people take themselves so seriously that they probably wouldn't do a role like this. And I think Nick Cage is just at that point where, like, he had so much success. I remember when I interviewed him for the cruise, I had my Rock and Con Air ticket, you know, and he held the tickets to the camera and said that was the golden age of my career. He's fully aware yeah. of that being the golden age in the 80s and 90s. Um, so I, I, I think he's just been, like, one of the things I love about him now is if you look at every project he's doing, it's just a passion thing for him, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, like these, like, Mandy like and, like, all these... Cr- yeah, yeah. Pig, I would he, love. He, is there any chance he gets an Oscar nomination for Pig? Or is I that I hope so. Ah, he deserves one. He got critics' choice. One of the cool things about Nick Cage, though, is like, is like, I, I feel like he had so much success that he's just kind of like an artist, like, and he always has been, but like, he's sure. just like living out his dream of like these stories I want to tell and things like that. Well, so like, to me, this is like the ultimate. Like, what's funny about this movie is I would love to have been in the pitch meeting for it. You know, like, I would love to have seen him be pitched this idea. I feel well, like he would have been bit in, like. Being John Malkovich, right? Yeah. When Malkovich yeah. was pitched, and and Malkovich and Cage both sort of exist in this. In this, you have to land in a sweet spot where right the the public is at least interested enough in you as a weird person. Yeah. Um. And you know, hmm. no one really kind of knows Cage. You know, like he's he's pretty unpredictable. But then at the same time, he's self aware enough to know that he can have fun with that. And that's why a project like this works. So are you so saying you, like like who would be an example? Like like are you saying like. Tom Hanks wouldn't work for something like this. I, well, I was gonna, I'll bring up Bruce Willis. Like, if Bruce I, Willis decided to do a movie like this, the way that he is now, it wouldn't work. I'm gonna say I would love to oh, see it. It would just end up being a commercial about a car battery. Is that what you're saying? Jesus. Right. Oh, in all yes. honesty, like, yes. I, so I wouldn't use the word like weird person. I like, I feel like Nick Cage is like, he's just Nick Cage. That's kind of the beauty of this idea. And like, I feel like I'm thinking about other people who would have fun with this. I think Keanu Reeves would be perfect for this. Yes, that would work like, Could also. you imagine like Keanu Reeves doing like a this but and like I doing point break? I feel like he's break. so self-conscious about himself that he possibly no, do I, it. I mean, Keanu Reeves is like at, uh, Sean brings up an interesting point. Like Nick Cage, like John Malkovich, I would say Nick Cage even more so, is in like this sweet area where everyone knows who he is yeah. and he has so many famous roles that that this idea works. And like yeah. Nick Cage has given off this vibe yeah. that he feels like a guy that would have fun with this material. And I mentioned Reeves, not personality wise, but just from a strictly yeah. a point of view of like, like he has so many roles like Cage does that are iconic. What about that he, I could see him playing with this like this would be fun to play with. Depp could have done it if yeah. not for all the yeah. Legal but I say like Depp, Depp ten years ago, that could have worked. Yeah, if he could have done a bunch of Johnny like uh, uh, Tim Burton roles, yeah. like gone back yeah. and, and revisited a bunch of those. That could I have worked. to say, I, I laugh out loud. There's a moment in the trailer, and it doesn't even involve Nick Cage, but it's Tiffany Haddish, and she's ca- talking with somebody, and she's basically they're they're going back and forth about what Nick Cage movies they love, and and he's like, yeah, like like Face Off, and she goes, yeah. Have you seen Croods too? And he goes, I'm 40 fucking years old. Why would I have seen Croods too? I've seen Con Air. <laughs> it's true. And I mean, the Dude. fact that there's a line in the trailer too where Nick Cage is looking at that wax figure of him as Castor yeah. Troy, and he goes, it's grotesque. I'll give you twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> like that's <laughs> such a Nick Cage reaction to it. So. I think it's going to be really funny. It, I, you know, it has the 
the danger of being too <clears throat> either too meta, you know, that, sure. that's got its head up its own ass, or, uh, or it looks like it has a great sense of, joke, of humor. But it does. So I'm looking forward to seeing the unbearable weight of massive. Just the title itself is, is funny. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, the Golden Globes put out their nominations, and we're, we want to talk about the Globes this week, but but from a different perspective than we normally would, which is uh, going over their nominations and talking about how much that they are shaping the Oscar conversation. Well, I guess I guess we're getting into that a little bit too about whether the Globes are relevant um, in terms of that conversation this year. And for people who are unaware, there's still a bit of a cl- uh, cloud of controversy that's hanging over the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which is the group that's behind the Golden Globe nominations. Uh, and people are still waiting for them to make some changes. And I, they have made some changes to their roster and their applica- uh, application process uh, in a push for more diversity. The, obviously, they were um, reprimanded for not having uh, enough diversity uh, on their board. And they lost their um, broadcasting partnership with NBC. NBC is not going to televise the show this year. And so because of that, because of them not having a platform uh, it felt like when the nominations dropped this year, they just they barely made a ripple. So if the yeah. question that we're kind of asking are, are the Golden Globes uh, at all relevant? My stance on it right now is no, um, and, because I didn't yeah. feel that that their the dropping of their nominations. And we, we can get to their nominations in a second, too, because I do want to kind of go over them. Um, I didn't feel that having their nominations land uh, triggered any conversation. Uh, or sway, you know, turned the conversation in any direction in a way that it might have in the past. And so, um, Kev, I want to ask, do you agree with that? And also I want to ask, do you think if they could ever kind of reclaim uh, any of the stuff? Or now that it's gone, do you think it's gone for good? Well, I would argue they they lost relevancy a long time ago. Um, mm-hmm. Just in, like, you know, obviously with the with the current, conversation that's being had about the golden globes that is a conversation that's very serious and needs to be addressed for sure but i would argue they lost relevance even prior to this moment um i just found the globes always to be it just always felt strange like i'll never forget the tourist being nominated for like best picture or whatever it was and like and then you start realizing like at least this is the way i interpreted it every time they would make their nominations I just felt like it was just them saying, oh, I just want that celebrity to be at, at the show yeah. kind of thing. Um, and I just didn't I just didn't find that to be it just never felt like it had any weight to it. Um, and you're so right. Like like normally when the Globe nominations come out, like I don't know if you guys noticed, but like every celebrity that normally would post about a nomination, I felt like I was seeing more critics choice um posts about yeah. their nominations than I was about the Globes. Um, and, you know, in the in in terms of the conversation we're having now with diversity and the board and, and, and things like that, like that is this is something that needs to be done uh, for mm-hmm. the Globes. They they need to address that. And I know I know that that's been a topic of conversation, but, you know, I, I don't think they're going to find their way back. I think the Globes were on their way out prior to this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, even like the Oscars, um, I'm not saying the Oscars aren't relevant, but, you know, these award shows are tanking every year in terms of ratings mm-hmm. um, and award shows are becoming, I, I think, a little less relevant. I mean, even it's not even just movies it's like Emmys and like all the different types of award shows. So 
it's it's gotten to a point where like I think we're I think we need to see a big shift in what we consider to be award worthy films. And I think that's really to me, that's the answer to bringing back relevancy to shows like these, Um, because like, for example, like a Spider-Man No Way Home. It's a phenomenal film. But like, what did Feige say recently about genre bias? Um, about like, what did, uh, he, said, he said something about genre bias in terms of awards. I don't, I don't want to take him out of context. Um, uh, he's been saying like, that since um, you know, Black Black Panther got the Best Picture nomination, but and he yeah. said, how come, how come this is you know, being treated differently than a lot of other comic book movies that get overlooked, basically? Right, and I think, I think that's where. I think that's where these award shows need to start considering that movies are just not just dramas and like and 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 award worthy films are what an Oscar film is. I know this is a bit of a tangent off the topic, but I'm just trying to think of like your and the answer to the question about bringing back relevancy to yeah. the Globes. And I just feel like the Globes were already out, uh, and now this was just like that that thing that met, that set it off completely. And I I don't think they're gonna find their way back. I don't. Hmm. I want to get to Jake, but but to <clears throat> bounce off of that, if they don't, if they don't come back, if they don't ever, you know, uh, become televised again, even uh, does something like Critics' Choice fill that void? That's what I'm hoping. And, and, and like we're all CCA members, so we're biased in that sense that obviously we want our show to to have a relevancy that that is like because the globes you know in terms of like when you're looking at the scope of award show season the globes were a big deal they were i mean like in terms of like going into oscar season people would watch the show and you know when you had someone like ricky gervais hosting and like you know this was it was it was big it was a huge deal but but you know what made the globes a big deal is our industry like our industry propped up their nominations as being important and if aren't if our industry if the people who because there's a cottage industry of people who are only in the Oscar prediction game and they have mm-hmm. to generate conversation from September till March or whenever the ceremony takes place. Right. So they would put a lot of weight behind the Golden Globes and promote their, mm-hmm. um, you know, and because, you know, here's the dirty little secret too: advertisements get sold around uh, mm-hmm. people getting Golden Globe nominations and con- yeah. competing for those. Yeah. And those <clears throat> advertisements end up in a lot of the trade magazines mm-hmm. or uh, on the networks that carry the Globes. So, of course, money's behind a lot of this stuff. So, you know, if the industry uh, prognosticators who do a lot of stuff to keep the Globes relevant in the conversation shift it over and start doing that for Critics' Choice, then the Critics' Choice group would get more prominence. But the, one of the reasons why I would argue that the Critics' Choice uh, deserves more recognition than the Golden Globes uh, did. And, I'm, you know, again, I'm going to acknowledge Kevin's bias that all three of us are in it, but I firmly believe this. I think that we are a larger body of, of people. Yeah. Uh, there's th- hundreds of critics that are represented by the Critics' Choice Association. And the um, Golden yep. Globes, I believe, had 97 or 98 members. So you're looking Maybe at... even less, yeah. Yeah, the Golden Globes were just a, a representation of those you know, 90 some odd people uh, who are uh, part of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. And I believe that Mm -hmm. you get the voices of, you know, close to 300 or maybe even more than 300 members at this point now who are voting for Critics' Choice versus uh, the general consensus of the voices of of 80 to 90 people. It's, to me, a significant difference in terms of uh, Mm -hmm. being presenting a fair and balanced uh, selection of nominations versus wouldn't it be great to have uh, Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp at our show, at our televised show, the way that Kevin sort of pointed out with the tourists. Right. So it's JK. also it's also just it was also great to see, uh, selfishly because we're CCA members. I loved seeing actors share 
our nominations. It was sure. like, and, and, and it, it was, uh, we've been members for so long. Um, and I do, and again, I'm not in this position where I'm like, you know, oh, you know, the Globes are doing bad, so I'm glad we're, we're doing better. And, and that's not what I'm saying. I mean it more like, it's just it just felt nice to see people sharing because we all work really hard throughout the year to watch all these films and like and and, and I take my voting very seriously. I always have. Um, so it was just nice to see that. And, and and I know it came at the heel of kind of what was going on with the Globes. But, you know, I think there, we, maybe we need this change and this shift. And you bring a great point up. We have a, a larger group of people that and I think uh, the, the, the consensus that we bring, I think, is more accurate and more. Um, understandable about the about the, the industry and the movies that are coming out this year so. before i throw it to jake real fast because jake i know you really <laughs> i know you're supposed to say kevin brings up a really good point that i think is uh, and, and jake maybe you can reflect on this um because i think all the award shows are facing uh, a threat where um that meme of this could have just been an email uh don't yeah. all award shows now feel that way you know yeah but it, I, I think these award shows need to remember or need to ask themselves who it is that they are producing themselves for mm-hmm. you know i so often one of the things that bothers me specifically when i watch the oscars is that they try so hard to appease people that don't really go to the movies that often mm-hmm. they're trying so hard to win an audience that maybe has seen one or two of the best picture nominees at a certain point you have to realize you're the days of pulling in 40 50 million people because titanic's winning best picture are over like now maybe you just address the fact that movie fans are watching this show so let's make the show for movie fans kevin i think you're spot on when you talk about the fact that i did not see many uh of of the golden globe nominees address on social media that they are golden globe nominees to your point all the posts i saw were critics choice nominees, which i think is huge that being said i am also um pessimistic about hollywood's ability to learn lessons i think Mm -hmm. hollywood loves to pat itself on the back and then learn nothing from what happened and then move on. Um, I think a big uh, indicator as to whether or not anything's gonna happen will be over the next 12 months. And I, but it would not surprise me to learn that Golden Globes return to NBC in 2023 and life is back to normal and things go back and, and the wheels on the bus go round and round. Like I really, I think they're making such a bit, like they're making an example and saying, look, look what we are doing. Look at it, like, aren't we great? Like we are demanding accountability. And then I think, you know, I, I think the Golden Globes are, are going to move a couple of pieces around, say, hey, look at us. We fix things. We're good. And NBC is going to say, great, cool. They're good. And then I think the show is going to be back and we're going to be back to where we were this time 12 months ago. I really, so to, to I, I think asking whether or not they're relevant and asking whether or not they're going to be a presence are two completely different two things. Two different questions. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so I, I was yeah. answering it from a relevancy perspective. Yeah. I think Jake's 100% right about the idea that it will come back somehow in yeah. some way. I think they're back um, next year. Or not next yeah. year. I think they're back next awards season. Um, but I don't know that they'll be relevant. And yeah. like, and I'm I will say, you, it, you look at their, not to yeah. shift to their nominees, I do think they were very careful with their nominees this year. There were, I mean, I think they were, they very specifically chose things. There was no, um, what was that Kate Hudson movie that they, that they got ripped (laughs) apart for last year or, or there was no tourist. There was nothing that anyone could look at and go, oh my God, that's such a globes thing. Like all of their nominees were actually pretty solid. Like, Uh, like, yeah, so. I want to get to so the, one of the things that's uh, that's been a conversation starter with the Globes is the fact that they divide their picture race into drama and then musical and comedy. 
So it, it allows a bunch of, of films that might not necessarily be in the, the main Oscar push right now to, to almost contend. And uh, there are some people who used to in the past be able to take a Globes nomination or a Critics' Choice nomination yeah. and kickstart their Oscar campaign yeah. uh, and maybe get into the conversation where they weren't. Yeah. And so I want to bring up for this reason uh, the Best Director category because there are only five and they're not split amongst drama or comedy. So these are five of what they believe are Which the Which makes the best. no sense, by the way. Yeah. If, no, like, makes, if, they, ha- no. They, if yeah. they have a best picture and a best drama musical comedy, they should have a director category for each of those. Yes, yeah. makes Correct. sense. Correct. But they don't. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm sorry. They don't. So you have uh, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, uh, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story, and as Snoop Dogg Dog calls him, uh, Dennis Villeneuve for Villeneuve. Villeneuve. It was Dennis Villeneuve. Dennis Villeneuve. In Snoop Dogg's defense. In Snoop Dogg's defense, that Denis Villeneuve is a, is a, is not an easy I, yeah. name to. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't blame to Snoop for that. that. Right. I, I, I blame, blame like how did they not put or address, like sit down with him and be like, hey, heads up, or put yeah. a pronouncer. The one that yeah. gets me is Ben Affleck. But then he caught it, right? He caught yeah. it. He goes, oh, wait, yeah. that's Ben Affleck. My yeah. bad, man. <laughs> I love Snoop. That that's was funny. so strange seeing him show up there, though. I was like, it was so random. So wait, those are the four. Those are four. And there's one other that I haven't mentioned yet. But we believe those four. Kenneth Branagh, Jane Campion, Steven Spielberg, and Denis Villeneuve. I think those four are in. Do you guys think those four are in? Or, or four I, are the I, right now? Yes, I I worry about I trust me I I would I want Denny to get in I okay. so I I still am hesitant about um we talk about about uh, bias toward specific genres okay. I'm I'm hesitant about like a sci-fi bias he'll the get fi- in the fifth uh, slot for the Globes went to Maggie Gyllenhaal for the Lost Daughter and that's I don't one of those get situations the for that movie. No, I don't either. Um, but it's one of those situations where I'm saying that, you know, if the Globes had relevance this year, yeah. uh, Netflix could have very quickly pushed like, oh, my gosh, look at this. She got a Golden Globe nomination. She should be getting more recognition or uh, at least check out her stuff uh, for The Lost Daughter. Uh, I agree with you, Jakey. I did not see uh, necessarily what is getting all the attention for for that film. Not that I think that it's a bad movie uh, by any stretch, but I thought it was a perfectly fine movie and i think there's plenty of other things that should get recognition above it so let me go over to um the picture categories real fast just to see if anything stands out to you guys uh the musical comedy one goes to cyrano don't look up licorice pizza tick tick boom and west side story which to me seems like those are the best pictures that the globe saw in the last two weeks of the movie uh, of yeah the movie but there year. are a lot of there are i mean you can't knock them for that there are i mean you could the oscars are yeah. really have a lot of critics groups and i honestly i i've been guilty of it too That's I've a good had list, kind of, actually. you know it's yeah I, I can't i don't feel like i can knock those nominees every every critics group has a hard time remembering past the last two months that doesn't mean it can't not annoy me though you know no, sure. like when i see yeah, people's the, top tens and it's only stuff that came out from like november and december it's like sure you remember, um, you remember sense, when Zodiac though. came out? When when Zo- Zodiac came out in March, their Oscar campaign, uh, the top line and all of their print ads were like, "Good movies came out." Something like, "Good movies came out like further than the last two months." Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Well, they should didn't say get that. out. Which is open been, like super early in the year and ended up going on to it's like February. Yeah, yeah, yeah February. Like February. I don't yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Sansa Lambs came out in February and won Best Picture the next February. Oh, that's funny. Wow. And then Budapest Hotel was an early, Love early. Budapest Hotel. Yeah. I don't know if that was an Oscar winner. Gladiator was May. Best Ooh. Picture Dramas uh, at the Globes real fast. Belfast, Coda, 
Dune, King Richard, and The Power of the Dog. Uh, I listen. I love Coda. Has been showing up on a lot of lists at the end of the year. I'm enam- I'm I'm over the moon. So listen. I'm glad the Globes singled it out. Anything uh, feel right or wrong about I that? Love, you guys? I love, I'm loving this late surgence for Coda. You know yeah. I love. You know I was a big Coda fan. Am a big Coda fan. So I'm I'm loving. It feels like it kind of not saying that like it's going to come in and win Best Picture, but it feels like it's having a late season surge, which I'm very happy about. Yeah, I, I I was trying to think of like a Dakota fan, or Dakota um, Johnson <laughs> joke with Coda, but couldn't get there in time. Yeah, that's um, all right. No, Good try. I um, thank you. I um, but no. Three in weeks terms later, of he's like, guys, I got it. I got it. No, this list is this is a good list, and I think that uh, I'm just happy Dune's making these lists. I really am because you know Dune is a masterpiece, as we all know. Um, but sci-fi and other genres do generally have a hard time getting into the awards race, sci-fi, action, comedy, um, horror. Um, so, you know, I'm just happy to see Dune showing up, to be honest with you. That's, that, that's the one I'm happy to see. I'm really surprised that you guys are thinking that it doesn't have, I mean, I think it's in. I think it's in, in a lot of places. Oh, oh I, I'm not saying it's not in. I, I, I'm just happy that it is, that it is. Like, because like, like, yeah. I think Dune is in a special position because... I think that the industry needs to recognize that Dune was a cultural thing that happened. It wasn't just mm-hmm. a movie thing that happened. People from across, people who watch three movies a year tuned in for Dune, had Dune jokes, had Arrakis jokes, had like the marketing, however they marketed that worked because there were people from all over that really enjoyed that movie. And it was a moment outside of the usual like yeah. dense sci-fi movie, which I think yeah. is an achievement on its own regardless Particularly of for a movie success. that i still will argue that that's a hard movie to sell yeah they made it yeah. look easy but yeah. that's that's a deep like that's a that's a heavy i mean that's not not to knock obviously everyone on the show loves marvel movies but it's not a marvel movie it's not an easy like hey spider-man's coming out and people go right, okay right, cool right. like dune is not an easy sell yeah. Yeah. but they, they pulled it off yes, the press absolutely. tour for dune was absolutely Incredible. insane Incredible. like like Zendaya and Chalamet were on every carpet and those photos went viral every single time they went out. Like it was, yeah, that was a brilliant campaign. I say that to say that I think this is an opportunity, not that, you know, the Oscars are rigged or whatever people want to say, but this is an opportunity for, to sort of, uh, 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 win on both sides. It's a Mm win-win of you get to support an incredible achievement in the craft and you get your, everyone who, we want to tune into this because our ratings are bad. We're going to tune in because Zendaya is there for an award, you know, like, yeah. or whatever. Like they had that shot, what, in 2008 for Dark Knight and they blew it. That was, yeah, a what? long time ago. It was a different like, what, what it's, what's fascinating <laughs> about what Gabe is saying, and I would agree with him, but what's interesting is even the year Avatar came out, mm-hmm. Avatar got a Best Picture nomination and I believe Best Director, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, at the time, the most popular film, and now still is, of all time in terms of box office success. And that movie was nominated for Best Picture. I'm curious to look at the ratings the year before and the year then and then the year after to see if there was either a, 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 somehow of a bump. Because Avatar, like Dune, but even more so with Avatar, was a cultural phenomenon. People went out and saw it. I mean, it yeah. made two It was kind of a points. flash in the pan. That's kind of the joke yeah, of Avatar sure. is two At years later, no was. one could tell you what the character's name were. Or what I agree. Jake, but his name was Jake. In terms of, but in terms of audience, in terms of audience, like if Avatar was nominated for Best Picture and everybody in the world saw it, you would yeah, assume right. that maybe people would tune in to try and see what happens. Now, 
that movie was loved, you know, when it initially came out. I mean, I wasn't a fan of it and I'm still not a fan of it, but it was a universally loved and accepted film from a box office and critical mm-hmm. perspective. Right. So I'm curious if that even affected because Hurt Locker ended up winning. Right. And yeah. Bigelow won and that Bigelow, year. Yeah. Which that movie made like, what, 30 million versus what Hurt Locker made, which was like two point or not Hurt Locker. Um, Avatar made like two point what, five or two point seven billion or whatever it was. Um, whatever the number is, I'm, I could be botching that. But it is interesting to think about it like that. Avatar is a good example of a popular film being nominated. Did that affect the ratings? I don't know. Um, let me get to the the 10 best picture nomination nominations or nominees. I'm sorry. From the um, Critics Choice going into because our show is going to be broadcast on uh, the CW as well as TBS this year on January 9th, Sunday, January 9th. And we went with 10 best picture nominations, essentially the same ones. Uh, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, made it in there, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, uh, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, Tick, Tick, Boom, and West Side Story. And what I find interesting... Don't look up. I don't get it. No, I don't either. Um, I don't get that one. But it's it's sneaking in there. It's it's, I mean, it's a big deal. It's because it's the the cast plus the important message kind of thing. Is it one of those? They're like, oh, this is not... Yeah, I agree. It feels like like a movie people feel like they should put on their list. Right. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Because DiCaprio. I mean, at the end of the day, there's great performances in it, but it's not best picture no, quality. No. 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 I'm no, sorry. No. Um, it's just not. But you so, guys have ten nominees, so it's like you know. But true. at this point now, we all tend to sort of gravitate towards one that we want to see do well, uh, and champion that dog for the rest of the the rest of the fight. Um, mine is Tick Tick. Champion Boom. that dog. <laughs> I wanted to ask how excited. <laughs> hang on. How how excited is uh? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. How like, excited no are you guys, it. especially Sean? Yeah. I'll say you know early 2021, Sean, that Coda is in this fight. Oh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I love that it's there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's I, it, that's oh. the one that's lasting through the year. That yeah. movie was my number one for a good portion of the year, uh, and it was one of those ones that like. Jake told me how good it was. A lot of people told me how good it was. And when I sat down, I was, I, I said, okay, little indie movie, you prove it to me. Let's see how good you really are. By the end, I was a bawling mess and, and couldn't wait for that movie to sweep every single award. Um, it feels too small. It feels too small, but it'd be, you know, it feels it's like- It's a big win for Apple if it gets- Nominated. nomination, yeah. If yeah. it gets nominated over uh, Tragedy of Macbeth. Which, which really, a, a really I don't want to say lost traction. I would argue had no traction. Yeah. Well, that is the tragedy of the tragedy. (laughs) Yeah. I also want to put this out into the world. I want Andrew Garfield to win so bad. Oh, I know. Tick, tick, boom. I've watched that movie four times. Like it is. (laughs) That performance. I hope he wins every award he's nominated for. So wait, I'm throwing. I'm putting my eggs into the tick, tick, boom basket. They've been there for a while now, Um, and I'm gonna ride that that pony. How many analogies can we use during the course of this? <laughs> uh, which one? Which movie do you guys want to choose? Are you got what, what are you choosing now at this point for your I want to see it win? Dune. Dune? Cavs yeah. on Dune? Jake, you're I, on Dune? Dune. I want Dune to win everything and I'll feel bad for everybody else, but I don't care. I, I will say Spielberg. this. I'm okay with West Side Story winning. Are you? Like as much winning, as I want to see Dune win, I think West Side Story would be the would be the other option that I would be totally That's fine. fine okay, I'll take happen. this. I'll, that's fine. I want Denis to win director. Yeah. Full okay. stop. I, I, I'm i cool with that. And at the end of the day, you know, in a who do you put up against world, him? Spielberg is pretty Spielberg. amazing. He's always I mean, in the that, conversation, but I still put I Brana 
pretty no, damn good. No, I, but I, I'm, af- I'm afraid what's going to happen with Dune is that anyone voting, and we're, we're way ahead of the curve, believe me here, uh, is going <laughs> to say, uh, well, we'll just give it to him when part two comes out. Is Dune gonna have oh, the Mad Max effect yeah. where like it wins all the below the line stuff? Like, remember that? Remember the? I'll never forget watching I, the Mad Max Oscars, and I'm like, it had like five wins or whatever it was. I'm like, oh my god, are they gonna give Mad Max Best Picture? I was, yeah. and then they gave it to Spotlight, which is fine. I like Spotlight, but I but, but I, they should have given it to Mad Max. Yeah. Mad Max should have won. So maybe like with Dune, like in a, in a perfect world, on on Oscar Sunday, in my mind, yeah, Dune takes picture. Dune takes director, Garfield takes actor, probably Kristen Stewart for actress, yeah. and then I can, we can go down when they, later on. When they cut to Denise's shot, he'll have like seven Oscars and, a, and he's sitting on a pile of money, <laughs> which is the budget for Dune 2. Yeah, I'm telling you, like, Dune and a real blood be, t-shirt. Dune's my preference. Yeah, yeah. Dune's my preference, but I would, uh, I'm, I'm honestly cool. I, I'd be cool with seeing Denise take director and West Side Story take picture. Now, West Side Story, the problem with West Side Story is that it didn't do well theatrically. Now, that doesn't really factor into the Oscars because they didn't the artist make like 20 million or 12 million, whatever it was, and it won Best yeah. Picture. But mm-hmm. but West Side Story is a phenomenal achievement um, on every level. Um, mm-hmm. So like do, that does, that's my one and two of the year. So I'm I'm I love I'm cool with both of those. But Dune, Dune would be spectacular to see. When You're going to get the power that. of the dog. So start bracing for it. Um, and let's move on to this week's it's a good movie. This week's movies. Uh, Jake, you saw Swan Song, which I, I know has Mahershala Song. Ali. Yes. And had a trailer or a commercial that dropped on TV last night when I was watching with a bevy of uh, critical raves for it. Oh my god! And, and I heard it's phenomenal. Well, I heard that Mahershala is, is tremendous in it. So like, what is honestly, even and he about? got he got it? a he got a Golden Globe nomination for best actor. Okay, gotcha. And so for tell best us actor it. in a drama. So basically, it presents this idea. So Mahershala Ali is dying, and he knows <laughs> he's dying. And there is this uh, medical company that basically has the ability to create a clone of you, a perfectly identical clone with all of the knowledge that you have up to the point where they created the clone. So the clone doesn't know he's a clone or that a clone has been created. And the idea is, look, you're dying. You're going to leave your family alone. Like they're, they're not going to be without you emotionally, monetarily, like it's going to be a big deal. We can send this clone into your life, but then you have to come live at our facility and basically live out the rest of your days and die here alone. But you'll die knowing that your family is being taken care of by essentially you and they will never know they have no idea okay all right it is a fascinating like what would you do it's a fascinating sort of moral dilemma and i gotta tell you man i the the end will destroy you no absolutely i truly truly love this movie i i think um in an alternate universe in an alternate studio in a different world Mahershala Ali would be an actual contender for a Best Actor nomination at the Oscars. Huh? He's phenomenal. Okay. And not just phenomenal, he gives two phenomenal performances. Um, but it's truly, truly an incredible film. I truly loved it. Huh, interesting. All right, well, that's on Absolutely Apple TV+. Worth your Plus. Time. Uh, so if you have Apple TV+, Plus, give that Jake, a check out beginning on Friday. Finch or Swan Song? <laughs> <laughs> that's not fair. What he wants no, is no. he wants a movie where... Tom Hanks is dying and he's building a robot for his dog but then his dog is dying so he has to clone the dog to live with his new friend the robot (laughs) to live with his new friend the robot Sorry, I can't believe we're still talking about Finch I love Finch (laughs) I like Finch Finch too I I, I like Finch 
This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Um, let's move on to a, a film that Kevin and I really love and are correct about, and Jake does not like, uh... And and nope, it's nope, very nope, wrong nope, about nope, it. Nope, 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 nope. It's uh, bad. <laughs> Wait a second. You think it's bad? It's, no, it's not bad. You can't think okay. it's bad. Okay, okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's worse than bad. It's boring. Oh, what? No, it's not. so not. And I is is like wanted, I wanted to pull my eyelids at like the two hour mark. And I realized that we still had like another half hour to go. I wanted to We're pull talking my about, eyelids out. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's new film, Nightmare Alley. Uh, Kev, why don't you start it? Because I'm about to lose all my breath. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is Del Toro. You know, obviously we love him as a filmmaker in Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth. Um, this is, uh, you know, the noir element of this is so incredible. And so the concept behind the film is that Cooper's character, well, we meet him in the beginning of the film. We don't know what happened to this particular element in his life, but we know something dark, as tragic has happened in his past. And he ends up walking into a carnival, essentially, where he meets Willem Dafoe's character and gets a job working at the carnival where he meets Rooney Mara's character. Is it Mara or Mara? I always forget that. Rooney Mara. The Mara. Mara. Yes. Um, as a mentalist. And, that's the, right, that's the, uh, the power that he has. Right. He's a mentalist. So, like, and he, he basically gets this ability to be a mentalist and goes off to do his own show with Rooney. Um, and this leads him down a dark path where he starts to help people with the, the, the mentalist aspect. And that kind of leads him into a very dangerous situation. That's, is that a good way to put it? I, I would that's argue. Fair. Yeah. Okay. It's, I, I would say spoil it's, anything. it's not really spoilery, but the, the movie really lets that sit like that, that there's a big first act before he even gets there. That's not spoilery, oh, but it's, it's it's a slow build. It's a slow burn of a movie for sure. And one yeah. of the reasons why I think it's important that it starts at a carnival is because with carnies, you're not supposed to really know whether you believe in their abilities or not, like mm -hmm. or, or whether it's a con, right? The the idea of the carny going from town to town is that they're conning the people, and that there's because they've uh, set up that whole elaborate way that Tony Collette is, you know, tricking the audience to come up to to see her her mind reading things. It's all about um, selling the illusion, which is like. 
really an interesting idea. Yeah. Especially the way that the rest of the film plays out. But to mm-hmm. Gabe's point, I went into that movie not knowing anything about it at all. Same. And the longer that it kept going in the carnival thing, I just assumed this was a carnival movie. Like, it mm-hmm. was going to be the whole thing. But the second half of the movie goes in a completely different direction, um, yeah. which I found to be extremely fascinating. Because then you get into um, Kate Blanchett's character getting introduced, and you, you catch up with Bradley Cooper uh, and Rooney Mara as they are working their show... Uh, in a city and they've kind of upgraded their presentation and it's become like a dinner show where he pretends to um, read people's minds or predict what they're holding in their hands. Um, and he gets pulled into uh, a mystery by people who really believe heavily in his powers. Um, mm-hmm. And, and at that stage too, we're not a hundred percent sure how good he is at what he does. Right. Because right. we, we believe that he's tricking everybody, but he's also shown this ability to maybe do more than that. And I think one of the things that, that allows us to go down that road is because it's Guillermo del Toro. Like you almost are taking under consideration the types of films that he makes. Um, and so as it gets further into sort of um, unpredictable and and kind of supernatural because del Toro tells a lot of monster stories or uh, and is steeped in all of these references to Victorian era and 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 that type of stuff. You go along for the ride, wondering if it's going to go in that direction. And I thought the movie did a really great job of sort of stringing you along. There are bursts yeah. of violence that happen in this film um, that I thought were incredibly appropriate to the movie, um, but really really shocking in the way that they play out. I thought the cast was perfect i thought Kate everybody in performance it, is perfect yeah uh it's it's phenomenal i thought bradley cooper was phenomenal i'm blown away every time now when he gives a, another performance where i'm like you are you're you're so like it's like i'm taking him for granted kind of thing but he's yeah. so if you look at silver linings playbook versus a star is born versus what he does here there it's completely different stuff and i'm i'm I, i'm amazed at how he's continuing to evolve as a performer, Rooney Mara is used perfectly. Willem Dafoe is used perfectly. Uh, mm. People like Richard Jenkins who come in. Um, Mary Steenburgen has two scenes and she crushes them. And one of them mm. is is so very shocking that it like <laughs> it made me jump out of my seat. Me I too. thought it was Jake. I cannot understand how. And I know that you don't really connect with Del Toro's uh, storytelling techniques, and I think that that's a big part of it. But there's no way you can call this movie boring, not no. the least bit. Bored to tears, honestly, bored to tears. I um, don't know. I, I, I truly, but here's the thing, and here's something that. I've never really been able to wrap my brain around, which is why I have such a hard time connecting with Guillermo del Toro's films. Like you would think, based on like the sort of stuff I love and that I grew up loving, like monsters and and horror and yeah. and a love of darkness, you would think that Del Toro's films would be right up my alley, but I always feel right up your like nightmare. right up my nightmare. <laughs> I honestly feel always such a uh, an emotional distance when watching mm. his movies. Like I can that's, never that's interesting connect with them. Right? I honestly is there one the that you issue? have that you've come close to? What's the closest you think you've come to connecting? Well, I mean, that's going to be my pick. Okay. All right. We'll get yeah, to that later. later. We'll sure, get to yeah. that later. Um, but like Shape of Water, I remember like I remember when Shape of Water was like the big Oscar darling, and everyone was going nuts, like, "Oh my god!" Like a monster movie is going to win. And I remember thinking, like, I should be so excited about this mm. that a monster movie is winning over everyone, and like is going to win Best Picture. And I tried to like even convince myself that I was excited about it, but I wasn't. Like I, I always feel like I'm on the outside looking in when it comes to his films and yeah dude i was bored to tears watching this i did not think that bradley cooper's performance was all that spectacular i felt like i was watching bradley cooper act Mm -hmm. um every everything 
it like I felt like I was watching the mechanisms of everything and not the movie itself. Um, I got to be honest with you, I cannot tell you how many times I did this while watching the movie. Wow. Like I the the, the for the I audio listeners, that, he looked at his watch. I just looked at my watch. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I should have narrated that. Look at watch. Um, then I believe the next movie we're about to talk about is a is a two and a half hour Spider Man film in which. No, when we got to the final act, I thought, oh, we're, we're probably halfway through the film. That's how quickly that movie moved. With Nightmare Alley, there was a moment where I was like, oh, surely this is the end of the film. And we hadn't reached halfway yet. I was See, truly bored to tears. Bored to tears. I, I, would, I would argue that the slow burn of Nightmare Alley is what makes it so great. Um, like, but, I but, liked... but imagine, like, if you, but you were connecting with it, though. So yeah. imagine a slow burn if you're not connecting with it. Sure. And, like, for me, like, like... What's interesting about Nightmare Alley is, and I use this word a lot, but I truly, and I always mean it when I say it, but I, like, Del Toro is an, a master at immersion. Like, when this, this film is shot with 185 aspect ratio, so it's a tall image. When you are at this carnival, everything in the image feels tangible, it feels yeah. real, it feels like you're there. There's a shot in the trailer where they pull this tent down over the camera, um, and you just, like, he drops you into this world and you are living in this world through the character that Bradley Cooper is playing. And to me, his performance is, is brilliant because they don't use a ton of exposition. It's more of just like seeing the world through what he's going through. But then we're also not sure exactly what his intentions are, or what he's really doing. So you're almost like you're along for this ride where you're questioning everything. His films are always very well made. Like I would never knock his ability as I, I just think he's for, for me, he's always been a top notch visual artist. Like I love literally, literally watching his films. Like I love the aesthetic and I love the look and I love visually how it all comes together. I think he's a technical master as a storyteller is where he loses me. I will bring yeah, this so, up for this reason. Yeah. I want to, well, I want to get into a conversation because I think that this is interesting. I said to you guys in the text thread, and I meant this when I said it, that it, uh, I, mean, I love that we're having this conversation at the same time that these two movies are playing out. I would watch Nightmare Alley before West Side Story again. Um, I. But let I'm me explain not on why. That train. But let me explain why. No, no, no. I'll explain why. Um, Nightmare Alley presented to me something that I had a story that I had never seen before, and as each scene played out, I had no idea where it was going, and. Um, I'm not like Kevin in what he says. Like I, I have a much harder time getting immersed in a movie um, because I'm paying attention to too much other stuff, right? And there were three or four times over the course of Nightmare Alley where I was so engrossed in the story that when something immersed. would happen, yes, and it doesn't happen to me that often. It really doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I was, the originality of it is what, puts it above West Side because when I was watching West Side Story, as as wonderful as it is and as as immaculately produced as it is, there would be this kind of procession. Oh, um, Maria, get ready, we're gonna go to the dance. Um, well here's and in my head I'm thinking, well I know the West Side Story uh story. Sorry. Um, here's the part where they're gonna go to the dance. Oh well, here's see, the part where they're gonna meet Tony. To here's the part where Tony's gonna be a remake too. Well maybe because I didn't see the or... original. Or. Remake. I mean, I, I use the word remake loosely, but like Nightmare Alley, there was a film it was in the '40s, I believe. Yeah, uh, possibly, I, but I, I didn't I, see yeah. it, and I'm not as intimately right. familiar with it as I am West Side Story, which is. I mean, really that seems, but but that seems like a weird argument to to pluck out a very well known, popular, like a remake of a very well known popular story that yeah. is in and of itself 
a retelling of one of the most iconic stories ever written. It's like, well, it's, it's, it's like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Uh, that's how I'm comparing those two pictures in sure. particular right now. Like, I'd rather watch okay. something that is wildly original from a sure. filmmaker with a voice like that versus a retelling of a musical that has been I, I would argue, decades. then on the flip side of it, I'm more impressed with Spielberg for a lot for having the st- skill to allow me to get lost in a story where I know what's going to happen. That's fair. That's, versus... and that's, what I, that, that's what I was talking to the cast about. I was like, I, to a point where I f- hoped and forgot that, that they hopefully they won't fight and maybe the fate of the characters will change because I was like, in my heart, I almost like felt like I was going to will it to change. And like, but with Nightmare Alley, it's an interesting point and I get what you're saying and I, I had the same experience you did with Nightmare Alley because I didn't know anything about it going in. Um, but I was just, it just took me into the world and I loved the journey. Um, but to me, and I, have, I don't think I've said this yet, but like Kate Blanchett's performance in this film is one of the best I've seen in a long time. Like mm. it is such a commanding, like in intense, questionable. Like I, I was so floored every time I was, I was, I was hoping she'd be on screen every time. Yeah. I was like, I want more of this character. Like she was so amazing in this role, yeah. like completely disappeared. You don't see Kate Blanchett on screen and like Cooper and her, every scene they have is fantastic. Um, to me, this is a, a film that like that delivers not just technically from a, from a filmmaking perspective, beautiful cinematography and score and everything. Cause Nathan Johnson did the score was Ryan's cousin. Who's, brilliant composer mm. um uh but like performance wise like the performances are outstanding um it, it's it's a it's a very 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 well-made film All i right. really enjoyed it i want to hear from some more people who get a chance to check out uh nightmare alley and see where they fall how do you think because... it's gonna do because i feel like one not that many people are talking about it and it's opening dude it's opening against spider-man yeah i don't think you're gonna hear from that many people Sadly, like, I feel I like feel... it's a bad idea to release the movie this weekend. I don't know well, why they're doing that. I, I mean, I think everything, you know, this weekend and for several weekends are going to just exist in that shadow. Um, so and, and on top of that, The Matrix is behind it, too. And, you know, while we will talk about that film when it comes around, uh, it still has a lot of how interest. is sorry. This is a tangent, um, but I was thinking about this earlier. Is The Matrix going to be an IMAX? I don't great think question. so. I don't think it's going to be. I think uh, I think it's. I think it is being bumped because of. Uh, I thought it was being bumped. There's no way they let, they let Spider Man only have one week in. Yeah, I, I don't think it, it wouldn't even I, be a I, week. Does yeah, it open yeah. Wednesday? It opens. Well, Wednesday. technically, Spider Man opens tonight, which we're recording on Wednesday. Hmm. A opens lot of people are seeing it tonight in the UK. Oh, no, Spider Man opens tomorrow, Thursday. Well, in the UK, today. a lot of people are starting to see it today. Yeah. yeah, UK. Yeah, okay. I'll check on the IMAX for Matrix. I, that would blow my mind if they didn't have an IMAX available for that. Right, That's well, what well, I'm Kevin... saying. Anyway. While Kevin is looking that up, I will set up the fact that the boys are now yep. going to talk about it's, an IMAX. it's going to IMAX. So it looks like so uh, again, this is just a I'm looking at one theater, but like from what I could tell here on Wednesday, the 22nd, which is the day the day the movie opens, there's an 1130 a.m. and a 1035 p.m. What that says to me is they're probably going to share Split them. OK, because I'll go to this theater's time as you guys keep talking to see how, if that how that if that plays out the way it's supposed to. Let me check real quick. But I think what's going to happen is, yeah, that's what's happening. All right. So I, I don't know. I've never seen this happen before. Actually. I was going to say I've never so, seen that happen. It's usually one at a time. So on the same day on Wednesday, December twenty second, Spider Man plays an IMAX at this particular theater where I live at three ten and seven o'clock. But wow. Matrix has eleven thirty and ten thirty five. 
I've never seen that because what, what Gabe's pointing out is generally what happens with IMAX is you get an exclusive window. Yeah, um, well, because like most think, areas only have if you have an IMAX, you have like one screen. Sure. Most areas like, like, like only did, big areas have yeah. a couple screens. But like some like big films get like generally like you get a one to two week, you would think. Um, yeah. It sounds like Spider-Man's going to get a little not screwed over, but like in a weird way, like they they should still fully get their IMAX uh, run, but it sounds like they're going to be sharing it now because remember IMAX costs what an extra two to three, four bucks mm-hmm. yeah. um, per ticket. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, and we all know that I, I would argue that Spider-Man is going to have a much bigger box office than Matrix, not not in a bad way, but Matrix is R rated and, you know, it's, it's, it's on it's, HBO it's Max. A, it's it's yeah. HBO Max. And it's also, you know, Matrix is definitely not, is I do think Matrix has a younger audience, but I think the audience for Matrix is slightly older, um, especially because oh, yeah. the movie came out in 99. So, like, Spider-Man has that younger demo, which is, we've been discussing this a lot on the show recently. Like, look at all the films that are successful this year. The top five of the year are Shang-Chi, Eternals, Venom, F9, Venom. Mm-hmm. What are all those movies geared towards? Oh, yeah, yeah, but, no, but, but younger yeah. audiences. Mm-hmm. And, like, West Side Story made... 10 million it's opening weekend because that's that skews towards an older demo mm-hmm. um and though and older demos are still having reluctance of going back to the theaters like my parents for example so all right let me let the uh let me let the boys take over and talk about uh the new indie film spider-man no way home do you actually need to unplug for this because like in the sense of well, like I, yeah, I would, how we feel. I, yeah i would i would yeah you're that close. i don't want to hear anything i don't want to hear you anything. know we loved it yeah, but I don't want to hear why. I don't want to hear any of that. Um, okay. So we can't really tell you why because we can't. So say let me anything. let me clarify. <laughs> let me clarify before we get into it. So Sean is going to unplug because he's going to see it soon and he doesn't want to know anything, um, which we always recommend if you're already sold on a movie, you know, come back to us after you've seen it. Uh, we are not going to discuss spoilers this week. If you've been listening in recent weeks with the new Friday schedule, um, especially for MCU movies, but anything that warrants it, we are starting to add spoiler segments. Um, which are all going to have good warnings and all that kind of stuff. So we don't surprise you with spoilers. Um, what we're going to do since, since Sean, unfortunately could not see it ahead of time. We are only going to talk spoiler free stuff uh, right now. And then next week, uh, your Christmas Eve present is going to be um, a cool spoiler section, which we will uh, discuss on the main Woo! show next Friday. Yeah, but yeah, I, I wish Sean could participate. Sean literally wouldn't learn anything new. If you say okay. on. I'm yes, but he's, it's just to, just to protect him because he's, mm-hmm. he's seeing yeah. it, you know, very yeah. soon. So, All right, so without further ado, take it away. Jake, right, you want to so start? Gabe, Jake, and I have all seen it. We've yeah. all yes, seen we it. Have. Yeah, we can, we can discuss. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just take the lead by saying that this is, there were multiple moments where I was looking at the screen and just thought to myself, and I feel like we say this sometimes in a joking manner, but we say this a lot, but maybe I've never felt this more, which is I can't believe this movie exists. Like, I can't believe I'm seeing what I'm seeing on the screen. But here's, here's the biggest compliment I can give this movie. The things that are most effective aren't the big spoiler points that we're not going to talk about. It's the fact that, like, it hits some emotional beats that I never expected this film to hit. It makes me, like, there were moments where I had actual tears in my eyes. It goes places that a lot of superhero films don't have the guts to go like everything that I would compliment about infinity war and why I loved infinity war so much. I feel like they tapped into here with Spider-Man, like what I felt on an emotional level. I also think this isn't just Tom Holland's 
best performance as Spider-Man. I think this is Tom Holland's best performance of his career. I think he's where he goes, what he brings, the depth, the levels, the dimensions that he brings to Peter Parker is unlike anything we've ever seen with this character on the big screen before. Mm-hmm. It's truly fascinating what what MJ, I'm sorry, MJ, Jesus. What Zendaya does with MJ, she's given much more to work with and takes it and runs with it. I just think that every all the plates that are that are that are spinning there are a lot of yes, there are a lot of aspects that people are going to run out and want to talk about immediately, and we will talk about those at another time. But the stuff that we can talk about is the, are the basic cores of what we're looking for in every movie, and this movie delivers that, and not just delivers it, but delivers it on such a level that truly makes it one of my. Even if you had taken out the other things that are getting us so excited about it, and just left us with the things that, that what I'm talking about right now, it would still be an incredible Spider-Man movie. I'll let you yeah, I, I I would argue. So this is coming from somebody who's Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two is my favorite Spider-Man movie ever, and then Far From Home. Um, this is hands down the ultimate Spider-Man film. Um, in in every sense of the word, and I and I one thing I want to give this film credit for is that it is so grounded in actual, genuine, real emotion but then heightened by the sense of, a, of, of, of what it is, which is a superhero film with villains and, and characters that can do things that aren't real. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, what John Watts has done here is he's taken this the, the fantasy aspect of, of the superhero world and put it in a perspective of real human grounded emotion. And that's why I've always loved the MCU because like films like Infinity War, they deal with subject matter that is relatable to the human experience while also entertaining you at the same time. Yeah. Holland's performance in this is devastating. Um, it is to, it's on a level of like, you don't expect to see an actor delivering that type of performance in a superhero film. And I, I think one of the beauties of the MCU is that the high caliber actors that they've hired, like Robert Downey Jr. and, and, and you know, Chris Evans, everybody who's involved in these and Elizabeth Olsen, who's a phenomenal actor. They bring Benedict Cumberbatch, who's one of the best actors working today. They bring their A game to a film that people would just pass off as a superhero movie. And this movie is so much more than a superhero film. Um, the word I really want to use for this. And again, we're staying away from spoilers. The film was very cathartic to me. Um, cathartic for so many reasons that I can't dive into, but I felt a sense of relief throughout the film so many times, but it is, it's an astounding achievement because of what they were able to pull off. And I don't understand. It shouldn't work. This movie should not work. (laughs) It shouldn't. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like you have incredibly talented writers and a filmmaker and incredible performers, but like, this is a massive massive production that could be lost. The story could be lost in this gigantic nature of how big of a deal this movie is, but it's not like John Watts. Like as you're watching the movie, like it's so, there's so much going on. It's almost to a point. I would argue it's overwhelming in the best way possible. Like there are moments where I was so overwhelmed because I could not believe like Jake said what I was experiencing. Right. And it's almost like at the same time, you're always locked into the story because it's so well told and so well written and so well performed. Like this is a genuinely great film. Like it's not just like, Oh my God, this is an amazing Spider-Man movie. It's a genuinely 
great film cinematography there there's this one shot which i think is in the trailers now where you see holland spider-man like hopping through this like silhouette of a like the uh, remember like the sun went down and it's like and he's out in like the area where like the the light the te- the telephone poles or the whatever and it, it, like i'm like oh my god like we're seeing shots that you would see like in a quote-unquote oscar film you know what i mean and holland i mean ever since the impossible this kid has blown my mind um obviously cherry was amazing this is this this performance like you don't see this level of acting in a film like this i've never seen i think it might be the best performance i've seen in the mcu it might be i mean i i mean it's a devastating incredibly emotional relatable brilliant performance zendaya's great cumberbatch is phenomenal it just every line of dialogue hit right and perfectly at the moment. Yeah. My only criticism would be like maybe early on, I was struggling a little bit as an audience member with trying to grasp the idea of what happens because I won't dive into it, but the trailers tell you, you know, Cumberbatch does a spell and, and that opens the multiverse and whatever happens, happens. Um, but you have to buy into it. And it took me a little bit to buy into that that would happen but as the film progressed i was locked in it went by like this yeah jacchino score so doctor ah. strange is one of my favorite doctor strange is one of my favorite mcu films i think it's an, a completely underrated film i think it has the best visuals of any mcu film to date until now so you take the doctor strange character that i love so much and and wong who i absolutely love and you bring them into the spider-man world and you were able to use those effects and those insane illusions of like the mirror world, whatever they're doing. And you bring in Jaquino's score from Dr. Strange and Spidey. And you're on a different level, man. This movie is phenomenal. It's like, it's like, yeah. I, I could not believe how good it was. Like, I think we all expected it to be good, but I don't think we expected it to be great filmmaking and great I don't know. I'll quickly, Sam? Yeah, 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 I'll quickly go because you guys covered, I think, exactly the point, um, which is that the emotions are so well done. The, the emotionality of the story, the characters and everything that happens is the focal point of every scene that we go through is what is the emotion of the scene and what is this? What does it need to hit that emotion? And to talk about stuff, thematic. You're right. You're 100 percent right to talk about stuff that we can talk about that we know going into this at the end of the last movie of of his identity becoming revealed. And that's that's the problem that kicks this off. It starts right then. The claustrophobia and the stress and sort of this this trap that that Spider-Man and and uh, Peter Parker is in with this situation, with the fact that everyone knows who he is and everyone who he knows is now having to deal with that fact. The film is is dark and claustrophobic, and it feels like a thriller, Brutal. and it feel you feel trapped like he is, um, and it's absolutely brilliant. I, I say that because that's what we can discuss, but everything that unfolds from then is treated in its own exact way that it needs to be. When it needs to be a high flying adventure, it's a high flying adventure. When it needs to be this really emotional and, and, and devastating beat, it's, it goes the whole way. It doesn't just, there's no like, you know, Marvel gloss of like, this is a sad moment. So here's a sad moment. It gives you the Oscar clip drama uh, that you would expect from this, you know, sad thing that happens, um, which I th- is just amazing. On top of all of that, all of us left. And at one point or the other said, 
that the thing we kept thinking, and we've discussed this already, is that we can't wait for Sean to see it. And, and a part of that for me is because it is a perfect Spider-Man movie. Yes. It understands yep. who Peter Parker is. It gives yep. you his quips. He uses, you know, math and science to solve the problem, the central problems uh, of the film or from scene to scene. It is, it understands who Peter Parker is and everything that we've learned about him up to this point within the MCU uh, comes to a head about, about what it means to be Peter Parker and what it means to be Spider-Man and why he is this special hero, why he is this example of, of us as humanity can, can be and how we can do the right thing yeah. uh, over what's easy. And the story and the film reinforces that throughout for me as a, as a Spider-Man fan and, and kind of what those themes mean. I felt myself getting emotional just looking at <laughs> because Tom, because of Tom Holland's performance, because he is so good you watch this kid who wants to do the right thing and you watch him always choosing to do the right thing over what's easy or what might just get the job done. Um, and it makes, it makes me emotional and, and he's amazing in it. And well, there's a lot that we're going to get into next week when we can talk spoilers. Um, I think we can kind of, if you guys have some final points you want to give before we bring Sean back in, but I, honestly, I think that's enough of a review, but, but, but say your piece, if there's, if there's anything you want to add, it's brilliant. And for me, I want to see it again. It might yeah. be the best Spider-Man movie we've ever gotten from. Yeah. I mean, where do you go from here? It's I, amazing. That, that, yeah. That's a good question. We'll have to and answer like, that I, question next week, yeah. but yeah. yeah. But I'll say this, like it's one of the most cathartic experiences I've ever had. Let's, let's save that. That's a good point. We'll, we'll pick up on the catharsis. The phone, Cause I think that's a good point. We'll pick up on that next week. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean? I mean, do, yeah. do, do, do you feel will, the same we'll, way? We'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. We'll pick yeah. it. Yes. We'll leave it there. And we can, we can dive into that um, next week. Cool. So tune in next week for that. I will try to flag Sean down and let him know that we are ready for him. So basically it's the Finch of Spider-Man movies. Is what I'm <laughs> right. Uh, your joke didn't work. Cause I lowered my volume. There uh, it is. So basically right. it's the Finch of Spider-Man movies is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> can't stress to you guys um for real like there's no there's no way to really uh quantify how how sad i am about this <laughs> like i'm also sad but I the also good do news think it's is funny. the movie exists yes and whether you saw it on the premiere or you're going to see yeah. it in your hometown theater with your son you're going to see the same movie and it'll exist how it does and we all think you're going to love it so that's good no. and Sean, like and Sean, and, and, and I know this happened to you and we feel, we all feel bad, but I just want you to know like every one of us, even Lauren, everybody was thinking about you while we were watching it because like in all honesty, man, you have absolutely no idea what you're no, about to watch. That, and that's really sweet. You don't. But that doesn't help at all. I think, I actually think no. you're going to have one of the best experiences in your lifetime at the movies. Right. One, because you're with your kids I firmly believe that things happen for a reason, and I, I know it's a devastating blow not to be able to go to the premiere and everyone's talking about it. But I think you're going to be sitting in that seat next to your two sons, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna understand why. I think you're making it, it happen worse. the way it did. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm, I'm being serious. I really feel that way. I think well, you're. Gonna, I think this was meant to be the way that it, way it is. I really do. It, it literally feels like I lost a limb. Like, <laughs> like I lost. Like you guys have no idea. But, but you're about to find. You're, you're about to see the movie. Yeah, like, you're about to had, find the limb. Had someone scripted this, I'd have said that's just too. You it's can't too Hollywood. That. You can't do that to that person. Sean, this is this is like a Sean. Game of Thrones episode ending. At least you got to go to the premiere for the Rise of Skywalker. You know. 
See, now that makes it worse. Like, you know who was there? <laughs> I was doing fine. And you know who was there? John Watts. Remember we saw John Watts sitting in front oh, of us? You should have had him here? tell you the plot of the movie while you were there. Should have had him do that. God fucking damn it. <laughs> Wait, no can idea. I ask you a question, Sean? Yeah, sure. Um, because I am genuinely curious about this. Um, Sean, as he said at the beginning of the show, has not been on social media, has unplugged. He's been living in his quarantine situation, rightfully so. And you were telling me, Sean, yesterday that like you've been, you haven't seen your family in like days. Like they, like Michelle's been bringing you dinners and I see food. them. I mean, they come and visit me, but, but they're masked but up and I'm masked up. I've not left. Yeah. I've not left two rooms of my house, basically. I, I am curious in this time period of people having seen it to where we are at this moment talking to you. Yeah. Has anything breached into your field of vision have has any like because i know you're on the slack channel for cinema blend yeah i know that you're still kind of working this is great i'm just no, curious has anything reached your mind nothing that i haven't allowed uh, i'm sorry well one thing I'll, I'll i'll tell you guys one thing um so this has been what's been really hard is that it's been happening in stages and again listen in the grand scheme of things i believe me I, I, i've got a grip on reality and i know that this is just a movie right but it's like it's not just a movie yeah, it's, no, the, yeah, it's the movie, right? Like, there's people who have the real problems. Station. There's people have real, real problems. This is not sure. a real problem. I understand that. Um, well, getting been, COVID is a real problem. The fact that yeah. you missed the premiere is not necessarily. Yeah. No, dude, you, you're Sean got over COVID. He'll never get over. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> get over COVID really quickly, actually. And uh, um, so it was really tough Monday, like knowing um, that people were, you know, heading to the premiere, uh, and that night. Um, while I was in our in our bedroom here, uh, I allowed myself to add Instagram back to my phone because I just wanted to check and see because we sent two people from Cinema Blend uh, to the red carpet. And I thought like, all right, I can look at our stories and I can see what they're getting, right? Like, let me just check and see what they're... So I got to see the, what they shot and I got to see some footage of the... They got Amy Pascal to stop and I saw Feige walk past and all the people walk past. And then I thought, oh, you know what? I can also let me let me just look at uh let me look at what Brandon's because Brandon went uh -oh. to the Brandon went to the premiere too. But by this point now, like I knew that the LA people hadn't seen it, so I'm, all I'm doing is looking at their stuff from the premiere. So I got to see some of Brandon's stuff, and then I deleted Instagram off again. Right. The next morning, I woke up and the embargo had broken, and I knew that the reviews were starting to be out. And I thought, like, well, let me just look and see, because um, I have to go to throughout oh. the course of my day. I have to go to Cinema Blend, right? Like I can't not go to my site because um, we go to the site all the time to pull stories and we're constantly going to see it. So I knew that Eric's review was on the front page, is there, it's just there. Um, so I had to see his headline, you know, which, and, and I saw his star rating, like that shows up and he gave it five stars. So then I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. That's great. I know that much, right? Then my... Um, uh literary agent sent me an email oh. um and he said i can't believe that variety included this in their review in their review and i won't say what it is um but it was a a, a thing oh, and... oh i read the review i know what's in the review okay Wait, so variety did the eternals thing right Eternals. yes jesus christ <laughs> now now this was at least in their review you know, and that, I guess. It, it followed a spoiler warning. Okay, all right. Oh, it did. Okay, it, it wasn't quite like them tweeting out the big reveal at okay. Eternals. That's it wasn't fair. Quite That's fair. I take it back. I take. It and back. so that was like a a little like a uh, what what is that like collateral damage? 
like a yeah, you, got, you took a hit. I took a, I took a frag from Friendly <laughs> Fire. I just I opened up an email, and it made me realize how difficult this was going to be because mm. this guy knew I hadn't seen it, and he was just like, "Oh, I can't believe the variety included X," and I was just like, I, uh, "Fuck! I, how am I going to make it to Thursday? This is this is Tuesday morning oh. now at this point, and I'm like, how am I going to make it to Thursday? So then I have literally that's when I, I I called myself a Tibetan monk earlier, and I was like, I'm literally I'm not looking at anything like not. So you're good anything. now. Nothing since then. I have then not is... heard anything since then. We are the okay. only channel to the That's outside awesome. world that he's had in days. But some people uh, at work, like Mac and Jessica, both saw it last night, and they said, uh, Mac asked me this morning, do you even want to know what my star rating is, right? So I said, yeah, you can tell me what your star rating is. And he, he told me and gave me a little bit of explanation. Well, what why. is it? What was his star rating? Uh, his is four out of five, but he doesn't really care for Marvel movies at all. Sure. So that's actually very high for him. Yeah. He goes, he told me last night, he's like, I'm going to pencil in my 3.5 right now because I'm sure it's perfectly fine and it'll, I'll forget it in a week or two. But then Jessica is giving it five also. She says, I can't find anything wrong with it. And look, I'm, I know I'm going to be, you know, over the moon for it. That's fine. But I just want to avoid as much as I can. And if I make it to four o'clock tomorrow, it will be truly a miracle because I've worked a significant part of this week, even though I took, I took sick days, sick days every, every day this week. And I've been here working doing stuff nonstop. And I have also, it, it it's important to note that, that your doctor is giving, uh, that your doctor gave you the, make sure she, you, I just want to make sure yes, you say that. Yeah, she did. Um, she gave me the CDC clearance of seven days, as long as you're not running a fever for 24 hours. And I haven't had a fever since Saturday. And today is Wednesday, Wednesday. Mm. God, it's Wednesday. Seeing yes. it tomorrow. I see it tomorrow. Mother. You're going to be God. in the theater and someone leaving a screening is going to be like, can you believe dude? I swear to God, I am. I'm going to be masked and gloved and, and, uh, Ear I'm going to bring, yeah, uh, um, noise canceling headphones like these yeah. guys. And I'm just going to, are you going solo tomorrow? Um, no, the boys are coming with me. Oh, you're doing with the boys tomorrow. Well, no, PJ's coming to me on Thursday and Brendan and I, uh, no. And then all four of us are going on Friday. Nice. You need to shoot a video the second yes, you walk out of the theater. Please. I want, well, I, I want know. an, Im- no, I want an immediate, I, d- 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 for us, just like no. send it, I want, I want to see your face. Okay. When you well, walk we'll, out. We'll talk, I'll FaceTime you guys. All right, let's get to the blend game. It is uh, getting back to Guillermo del Toro, who was our co- topic of conversation prior to these guys gushing about Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, and I'll go first, cause I haven't talked in a while. Uh, I went with <laughs> Pacific Rim because, uh, and it's like probably one of the least, well, I don't know. It's, I wouldn't necessarily qualify it as um, the type of movie that I think Guillermo likes to make, which is a little bit more artsy um, and a little bit more horror driven. It um, is low key is artsy a... though, with the way that he sets everything at night and underwater, the way it's lit. I will yeah. say it's and still low key artsy. It has a ton of style to yeah, it yeah. for sure. It's Tom Hiddleston, yeah. It's more the, it's more his Hellboy, I guess. I can't hear Loki. Shape of Water. No, that was pretty good. Um, but this is one that I love because it's a ton of fun. Um, it's it's smarter than your normal brainless monster action movies. It's got incredible, incredible set pieces. It's one of those monster films, like, like I think Godzilla and Kong most recently, that understands um, the size of its action and doesn't, like bury you in an action set piece so you don't necessarily know what's even happening there's big things that happen in the pacific rim fights that are um expertly choreographed and showcased to you so that when a a jaeger is punching through a skyscraper and you're kind of like following its fist along or if a jaeger smacks a monster with a with a a, a submarine or a battleship whatever uses the smack in the face boat you feel every you feel every hit so um 
I wish Del Toro made a bunch of those movies. It would have been kind of fun to just see him just keep going down that road. He passed the baton for the sequel. It didn't do nearly as well. I thought Idris Elba was uh, really well cast as Stacker Pentecost, I believe his name is, which is a great name for it. It's like it's like a, a really no offense, Kevin, a really smart Michael Bay movie. It's like someone took a Michael Bay movie, but but uh, used a, a Jaeger, no, uh, Kaiju, Kaiju brain uh, and put it into it. Well, that's what and, that's uh, what happened to the second one is it just turned back into a Michael Bay movie. What's the problem? Hey, see, I, I'm not going to sit here and take Michael Bay. Which was fun. Well, hang on, let me, let me qualify that. I let me qualify Michael that. Bay. The second one is fun. I yeah. enjoy the second one, the second but it is not, not that good. It is, it's fun, but it's not nearly the kind of film that the first one is. Correct. Dude, that's Bad the big Boys difference. 2 is a masterpiece. I don't care what anyone <laughs> okay, says. Right. I don't care what um, anyone says. And I'm going to, I hold Pacific Rim on a very special pedestal because that is my uh, kids' Star Wars. Like, that's the movie that, for them, they were like, oh my God, I had no idea that movies could do this. Yeah. And, and then they were subsequently disappointed for they decades. Watched, yeah, they watched the hell out of that movie constantly and then stopped watching movies altogether. And we, <laughs> we have nothing else in common anymore and I hardly speak to them. So, uh, Jake, take it away. Um, I was looking through his filmography and I truly think there, there are a couple of his movies that I <clears throat> like and one that I like quite a bit, but I think there's only one film of his that I can outright say, like, I love this movie and it's Pan's Labyrinth. I think it is uh, the perfect blend of what he does best, which is um, mix the real world with horror. Um, this really interesting dichotomy of, yes, here are monsters, but really aren't we the ones that, that, that are the monsters? Um, I think his uh, visual flair is at its best. I think the monster creation, I think the pale man, uh, Doug mm. Jones is the pale man, is one of the single greatest movie monsters to ever be on the screen. That Like him, his hands coming alive. And then him placing the eyeballs in the palm of his hands and then putting mm. that like, that's just such a brilliant, like, I think I applauded whenever I saw that on the big screen. Mm. Um, but it also hits on a very real emotional note. It's a, it's a, it's a heartbreaking a tragic and a beautiful, very, very dark, messed up fairy tale. Um, it's, it's everything that I know I should love about other Del Toro movies that I, that doesn't connect with me. It connects with me with Pan's Labyrinth. I love that movie. Um, it was on my top 10 list that year. And uh, it's, I, I honestly think the only movie of his that I can truthfully say with my whole heart that I actually truly love. Kev, where are you at? Mine, again, so in the nature of this game, I do want to clarify this because we've gotten some uh, uh, people been, uh, recently have been like, hey, how could you choose this wait, movie? Wait, can I predict yours? Can favorite? I predict yours? Yes. Just basically because you're going to emphasize favorite. Are you, is yours Blade 2? It is Blade 2. <laughs> I love Blade Okay, whenever I said, like, there's one movie of his I really like, it's Blade yeah. 2. I love Blade yeah. 2. Ron Perlman's so good in that. Um, so, Blade 2, and, and here's the thing. Blade 1, I think, is a superior film to Blade 2. Uh, I love Blade 1. Um, but Blade 2 is my favorite Del Toro because of the circumstances of how I saw it. Like, I'm not, like out of all his filmography, you know, Penn's Labyrinth and all these amazing Shape of Water, like, I mean... I'm not saying this is his best film. It's not even close to his best film. But Shape of, Your made, Shape of Water made your top 10, didn't it? Yeah, it was incredible. Shape okay, of Water cool, was incredible. Cool. I love that movie. I love that. That was brilliant. I mean, yeah. I mean, God, the way he used dry for wet and like, oh, it was unbelievable how he filmed those water sequences. So talented. Um, just like like smoke and like old school effects and make it look like you're underwater, but you weren't. It was so cool. Um, Blade 2 was a big deal for me because it was the first R-rated ticket I ever bought 
a ticket for legally speaking. <laughs> so I, I worked, I mean, I've said this on the show before, so I'll keep it brief. I worked at an AMC theaters uh, when I was 16 and they were so mean to me about like being like hard on me about not letting me see R rated movies. And they know they all knew I was a movie fan and like, they would write me up if I tried to sneak into one. I'm like, come on guys, I'm 16. So like, why do you have to be so like, I had to pick on me like this. Just let me do my thing. I'm like, I'm here working. I get off work. I want to see, an R-rated film like How High or whatever, you know, let me let me go. I want to see Red Man and Method Man. Um, no, but like Blade 2, it was came out on my birthday. I think it came out literally on my birthday, March 22nd of that year. Um, and I was so excited to get out of school that day and walk up to the box office. And I felt so freaking good, like walking up to the manager <laughs> at the box office at the theater I worked at who had written me up for, you know, seeing R-rated movies. And I was like, I want one ticket to Blade 2 right now. And I, I, I'm pretty sure they checked my ID, like, jokingly, because they all knew it was my birthday. Um, but, like, that movie will always be that memory for me because it was the first time I ever could buy a ticket to an R-rated film. That's awesome. Um, and, like... At the end of the day, I was a huge fan of Blade One, so I was super excited for Blade Two. It was like it was a huge anticipated film for me, and I still think it delivers. Like I, I, I enjoy Blade Two, um, but it, it was the it was the pure satisfaction of buying a ticket and being able to go in and not have to worry about someone. Like I used to kind of like love the idea of like sneaking into an R-rated movie and like oh, yeah. you know looking for the usher, like hiding like behind somebody, but like to sit there and be like, oh, I'm allowed to be in here now, and like so. It was almost like watching the film with that that mindset of like, I don't have to worry about being kicked out. I don't have to worry about getting written up. And so it made the experience so much special for me. So Love that's that. really why I chose that film. And it's nothing to do with the quality of the film. It's more of just like what it meant to me at the time. And I will never forget that because are... you guys know the, the extent I've gone to to get into R-rated movies like buying tickets or explaining I was a college student when I wasn't. And I had all these like tricks and the things I would do at other cinemas because they all, everyone at AMC knew who I was and that I wasn't 17. So you think kids still do this now. What do kids do? Now I hope to so. Sneak into movies? Like, that was do like they? such a exhilarating experience. I loved sneaking into R rated movies and like, right, right. like that was, it was, it was, and, and for the record, I would always buy a ticket to another movie um, but I would, it was just a, it was just a fun, <laughs> it was just a, it was yeah. a fun, uh, it was a fun way to do it. But anyway, so Blade 2 is my pick just primarily because of what it meant to me at the time. So I love right. when we do three different picks. I do too. Yeah. And for someone like Del Toro, that makes sense. Cause his yeah. body but the is... boat slap in Pacific Rim might be one of the greatest action scenes of all time. Like was that Sean, you came up over to my house. Maybe remember we I was just going to ask the... you, is it part of the, oh. of the, uh, display, the, the presentation, part of the McCarthy the presentation. presentation. <laughs> oh, I had that on full display because yeah. the beauty of that movie is it's one, seven, eight. So it's the whole screen. Yes. So if you watch Pacific Rim at home, Kev, more full blown. I love, you know, there's a social media bit where you get confused with the the Republican uh, <laughs> congressperson, Kevin McCarthy. Right. If right. we can somehow weasel you into some sort of congressional hearing and then that's the, your presentation, they're like, Kevin McCarthy's oh. giving a presentation today and you're like, ladies and gentlemen, Dunkirk. And you hit play. <laughs> Let me tell you what the hell's going on with the ratios here. We might yes. go viral is all I'm saying. <laughs> that would be amazing. Like, like what's funny about that. It would just that, be Kevin going, uh, notice the bars. Notice the yeah. bars. So I, I've run into that Kevin McCarthy a bunch of times. And like, it's like become a joke between us now that we have the same name, but like it is, it's, it's that the bit that Gabe is talking about it. it, it I, you should see the messages I get 
on a daily basis. It's it is insane. the it is the funniest. I would not encourage you to be on social media in any way, shape, or form, except for that bit. That's the only reason to be on social media is to hear Kevin respond to people who are ripping him apart for political reasons. Yeah. Uh, let's get the audience picks: Michelle Garrist, uh, Todd, Harry Lichtman, Samuel Thomas, and many many others went with The Shape of Water. Hazel. Cam McKinney and Alex Andrade went with Crimson Peak, another really good one from Del Toro. Uh, Brett went with Penn's Labyrinth, uh, Pan's Labyrinth, sorry. And Elijah Varner and Mona Liz went with Pacific Rim. So uh, thank you everyone for participating in this week's blend game on social media. Next week, you can play along with hashtag holiday movie blend. So we're going to be picking our favorite holiday movie. Hmm. Any holiday, I guess. Gabe's not specifying. Just... Well, the holiday season. This is the holiday season yeah, yeah, between, yeah, sure. you know, Thanksgiving through the end of the year or something. You know, I'd love to hear some family traditions. This uh, is not my pick, but watch Jingle All the Way. I love there you Jingle go. All the Way. So Terrible much. man. Oh. So, so I, I, I saw that somewhere movie. that like you can buy, now buy like their their mass yeah. producing Turbo Men. So my my father in law was over for Thanksgiving. And we bought one. <laughs> like we, we were watching Jingle All the Way, and he went online. I think Funko makes them now, right? Is that's that awesome? Is that, is that, I oh, think that's so. Funny. Um, well, yeah. Now you know what to get all of us for uh, for Christmas. So uh, all you can play mans? along at yeah, all turtlemans at realblend at cinemablend.com is the email that you can send your um, picks to, and that's where you can also send us a review if you chose to. And this one uh, comes to us from Elijah Varner, who just participated in the Gamble del Tombro Blend game, and the review that they write this week says. Uh, I started listening to Real Blend my freshman year of college. At the time, I was a very casual moviegoer and would usually only watch whatever Marvel or Star Wars movie would come out that year, basically three times a year. That being said, I was very interested in said movies and I looked for every little crumb of information about what might be next. While I was working as a dorm janitor to scrape together some cash on the side, I became a podcast fiend. So you can imagine my delight when I discovered a podcast with subsequent interviews from the Russo brothers, John Watts, and Kevin Feige. That was a pretty spectacular run that we had there. Uh, that was the end game into Far From Home stretch uh, where we got all those guys to come on. Uh, you I had still done can't a, believe that end game interview. God. I know. You had done a pretty good job of interviewing uh, who I considered to be the biggest directors in the world at the time, so I gave you a shot. I was immediately met with a bunch of elusive terms I did not understand at all. Aspect ratio? Tarantino? And who could ever forget the ever-present Dunkirk? In spite of my confusion, your conversation mirrored those of me and my brother discussing the movies that we loved, and something about it just stuck. And we hear that a lot from people. I haven't missed an episode since, and it's been an absolute pleasure listening to you four and all the amazing guests that you've been able to score, especially last year. Most of my favorite movies, like The Social Network, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and The Prestige, have come at your recommendation. Uh, I laughed with you, gotten mad with you, and mourned the box office of Tenant with you. Sometimes when I need a good laugh, I'll go back and listen to Jake and Kevin's Lion King debate. Uh, <laughs> it never gets old. Uh, now I'm about to have some big changes in my life. I'm moving to Korea for a two-year-long religious service. I'm very excited, but I'm also a little sad as I'll be unable to watch new movies or listen to the podcast. To put it in perspective, I'll be back after Avatar 2 comes out. Maybe. It will be hard, but I take great comfort in knowing that when I get back, the podcast will be waiting to walk me through everything I missed week by week. I will dearly miss each of your voices in my ears. You are the best in the business and have true passion for what you do. I'll be back in two years, ready to catch up with you guys again for Tarantino Volume 10 or something. Nah. Thanks for everything. Hubie, Larry Crown, and Ben <laughs> Kirk. 
That is fantastic. Well, fantastic. Elijah, we wish wow. you the best of luck. As far as I'm you concerned, mean. Elijah Elijah's just going to get snapped. He's going to get snapped, and two years later, he's going to uh, return, and he'll have two years of uh, Riblin content waiting for him. So I find that to be very, very exciting. Seriously, good luck. Be safe. Uh, take care of yourself over there, and we will see you on the other side when you come on back. So, um, okay, in the meantime, I want to warn everybody that we have a, well, not warn you, alert you to the fact that we have an Oliver Stone interview dropping next Wednesday. It is going to be a bonus episode. It is specifically tailored to the uh, release of the JFK Director's Cut, which um, is a three-and-a-half-hour meal, but is absolutely, absolutely worth your time. Uh, and that interview is really, really interesting. Our next premium episode is going to be a two-film challenge. Again, you can get access to this and all the episodes of Real Blend Premium at cinemablend.com backslash Real Blend Premium. And you can follow us online on social media at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. Um... I don't know. We'll be back next week with a spoiler-filled review of Spider-Man No Way Home. I'll be back on social media. uh, And uh, we'll see all your smiling faces then. And Hubie. Adios. Hubie. No Way Home. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.